Have you ever been around or hung out with somebody that just kind of likes to, I guess maybe they're a little impressed with themselves, or maybe they always like to uh, one-up you with the things that they've done? It's kind of irritating talking to a one-upper, isn't it? Yay, I finally completed this game. Well, I completed the whole series. <laughs> I achieved something that I'm proud of. <sighs> I did that too, and it was way easy. I'm almost finished with my collection. Well, I am finished with my collection. Or Pastor Sue, I am finished with my newsletter article, right? <laughs> I, I can sometimes do that. I can maybe be a little bit of an overachiever. I like finishing things first or knowing something before others because, you know, it makes me look good, right? Well, today in our reading from Philippians... Paul is telling them about his accomplishments. His background is impeccable. He's a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew among Hebrews. He makes clear his education and training. He's a Pharisee. He boasts of his religious and political convictions and activism as to zeal, a persecutor of the church. And finally, he notes his lifestyle as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Paul has made it. If anyone else has reason to be confident, Paul has more. He is the absolute king of the one-uppers. And one would think he's arrogant or boasting of his own accomplishments until he throws all of his past trophies and these accomplishments out the window. He says, yet whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. He begins to reinterpret what is gain and what is loss, saying, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Paul deems his own gains as loss, and not only loss, but he later uses what we have translated as rubbish or garbage. But right here, Paul uses a stronger word, the only time this word is ever used in the Bible. And for hearers living in a world largely lacking effective sewage systems, real-life associations with this word would come readily to mind, if you know what I mean. What Paul has gained, he now considers refuse. Paul's shift in perspective moves dramatically, to say the least, from a righteousness defined by the Torah, the law, or the norm of his society, into a different kind of gain, the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. In short, our text today is not so much about human striving as it is about a radical shift in perspective, redefining what is true gain and understanding that what God gives is lasting joy and there isn't anything we can do to achieve it. Do you remember what it was like to fall in love or to look into the eyes of your child or grandchild and have your heart explode with an abundance of love for that little person. 
It takes you joyfully away from your past life and into a relationship of self-giving, future-imagining love. This is what Paul is trying to share with the people of Philippi. And it can be hard to believe this or to grasp this kind of love. Many of the key verbs that Paul uses in this um, part of Scripture, they are passive, drawing attention to God's work. He says things like, be found in him, becoming like him, have already been made perfect, and I have been captured by him. And so have you realized it yet? It's the unbelievable fact that we are loved, that God continues to long for and invite our growth in love and lasting joy. And it's nothing that we can achieve because Jesus Christ through the cross and the resurrection has already achieved it for us. Most of us don't have the kind of confidence or experience, time or even interest to understand this. Sometimes it's easier to listen to the louder group that tells us we are not worthy, that our lives and our way of living are wrong, that we are losers, that we can't do anything right. And who are you? We're doing it wrong. We're not doing enough. For many, me too, we might have the will to believe something or the will to change, but we haven't changed any of our behaviors to reflect the importance of that belief. You know, you know it in your head, but sometimes we can't quite get it in our hearts. So let this day be an opportunity to reflect anew on God's love for us what kinds of changes do we need to make to honestly believe this? What do we need to leave behind? Think about this kind of comically about the Zion super sale. You know, there was something that you had that you absolutely needed. You, it, was, it was a prized possession. But now you can just take it to the super sale and leave it behind <laughs> for somebody else's gain, Right? And it feels good to unburden ourselves. In a world where the prevailing culture tells us that gain is defined as power and prestige and money, that it is always to be achieving more and being better than the next person, to say things like, I love the sign that says, Jesus loves me, but I'm his favorite. <laughs> you know people like that. I'm better than you because I don't do that. I don't live like that. I'm God's favorite. But here's the good news. You are all God's favorite. Remember what our psalm said. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. You are being asked, you who are crushed in spirit, to know Christ our Lord, who compels us to say no to cultural priorities in order to pursue relentlessly the things that matter. 
to know the lasting joy that comes from a God who loves us, not for what we've done or what we're going to do, because we are loved by God, period. And we can press on because Christ has made us his own. We can press on toward the goal, the true gain that is the call of Jesus Christ. It is the heavenly call of the cross and resurrection. As we sing in our next hymn, listen to the words. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the prince of glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and poor contempt on all my pride. Paul wants us to know and then to spread the gospel of God's reconciliation, of that reconciling love that he has for his people to reconcile us to himself and to each other. Cross and resurrection grasped together are the sign that the time of dividing people from each other because of perceived gains and losses is over. And a time of reconciling love, a love that brings us together, that is what leads us to everlasting joy. And Paul admits he doesn't have it all. It's not complete, but he presses on and he asks us to join in imitating him, to forget what lies behind. Did you hear that? To forget what lies behind and press on toward the goal, the gain that is the glory of God shining through us all. In other words, it's like what I like to say to our youth and others loosely interpreted from another great letter of Paul's from Romans 8. There is nothing that you can do that would make God love you less. There is nothing that you can do that would make God love you less. Amen? Amen. Amen.